0: Thanks for checking out the PowerPlace audio podcast. The PowerPlace exists to help you
1: encounter the Lord's presence daily, to empower you with His Spirit and His Word so that you can engage your world. Here at the PowerPlace, we believe the Bible from cover to cover. And our prayer is that as you listen, the absolute truth of God's Word would bring complete freedom to
2: every area of your life.
1: morning, can everyone hear me? All right, this is my first time getting to use the uh, fancy headset, and it is dangerous to give a, uh, a South Philly Italian his, both of his hands to be able to use. I feel like I need to get all of my stuff out now so that in the middle of my sermon I don't say, hey, where's the gabagoo? <laughs> hey, gee. You know, I feel, as South Philly Italians, you can say one sentence but it's in a single word, you say something like, G- J-E-E-T, did you eat? Hey, J-E-E-T, G- nah, you. <laughs> easy. So, all right, I got it all out, there we go. I guess we're good the rest of the way. So, as Pastor Greg mentioned, we are getting ready to get our small groups going. Uh, super exciting, one of the things that uh, was tax- tasked to me When I first started was getting small groups revamped and going again. And I have been fervently praying since January, not just for the groups, but for the leaders of the groups. I asked the Lord, Lord, bring the leaders to me. Don't let me go out and find them. And it was amazingly orchestrated throughout the year as the months went on that every name or leader I would pray for, it was just like, yep, that's right. That's right. And as I would go to those people and say, Hey, are you interested in becoming a small group leader? Not only did they say yes, but they would say, I've been waiting for this. I've been just waiting to say yes to this. So I'm super excited, and and we thought it would be really cool to kick off small groups on this week as we do real. As Pastor Greg said, we don't do fake, and that's one of our core values here. Some of the other core values that we have gone over so far, let's see if you guys have been paying attention the past few weeks our first week, we did honor. You remember what we say with honor? Honor up honor, down, honor, honor up, honor down, all around. Good job. Next, we went over truth. You guys got it. Week after that, our core value of the week was stewardship, and we say, "Don't be a stupid steward." A stupid steward. That's right. And if there's anyone in here named steward, I'm sorry, we're not talking about you. Week after that was excellence. What do we say about excellence? Good job. I wish Allie was in here. I would make her say all of these. She always gets them all always mixed up and jumbled. So, Allie, I love you. Week after that, we did unity. What do we say about unity in this house? house divided You guys are paying attention. And this week, as we've mentioned, and we'll hit it again, and we'll hit it over and over and over again, is real. We don't do fake. We believe that real relationships bring real results. And once again, what better way to kick off small groups than real and relationships? In a minute, we're gonna get to hear from our small group leaders, but I'm gonna talk for a little bit first, but that's all right with you guys. All right, I guess I'll leave. So real relationships bring real results. We do not shy away from the vulnerability or transparency in building authentic relationships. In Second Corinthians one twelve, And that's another thing, real quick to hit on. If you haven't grabbed one of our cards, our core value cards, I urge you to get one of those. Grab two. My wife and I have two on our fridge. We have, because it's a front and back, so we have one and then we flip it and we have it next to each other. And every day, you know I'm in the kitchen. So every day, as I walk through that kitchen and I go past my fridge, it's right there, right in front of us. And that's how to get it down deep in your heart. So grab one of those. And every core value we have at the power place that we came up with is always going to be biblically backed. It's not a man-made thing. There's nothing man-made about these values. These values are biblically backed and scripturally backed. So just remember that. So 2 Corinthians 1.12, if you have your Bible... Says, so now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you. Especially in our relations with you. With integrity and with godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. Go back to that scripture in that, in that verse where it says relations. Now We hone in on that word for a minute, and often times when we hear the word relationship or relations, it can be ambiguous. There could be different meanings for the way that the Bible says relations. And now in the Greek language, there's different words for the word love. Love is oftentimes attached to relationships, but you have to understand the differences between them. You have your eros love. Anyone know what that is? That is your romantic type of love. Not what we're talking about in that verse. We have agape love. Agape love is the love the Father has for us and the love that we reciprocate back to the Father. Not what that verse is talking about. We have pragma love where the word pragmatic comes from. That's a commitment, long-term interests. Once again, not what that verse is talking about. So what is that verse talking about? The most common word for love in Greek is the philia love. That's what that verse is talking about in relations. Philia meaning a brotherly type of love. actually one of the cities that we live closest to, Philadelphia, being the city of brotherly love, philia being the first word of brotherly love, and adelphos in the Greek language meaning brother. Add those together. Quick history lesson. You guys know I love history. Uh, William Penn founded the city of Philadelphia to be a place of in a, in a land of persecution at the time, he founded the city to be a city of religious tolerance, a safe place for brothers and sisters in Christ to be able to come and where religion was able to be accepted. How far we come from that? So in that verse in Corinthians, it's the brotherly type of love that Paul is talking about with the, Corinth, the, the church of Corinth. Let's skip ahead to uh, 1 Corinthians. We'll go back to so 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 That verse says simple follow my example as I follow the example of Christ Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ but here's the thing here's where we get I have a hiccup is how do we know who to follow And we need to be careful with who we allow ourselves to get real with and who we allow to get real with us uh, my pup-up always used to my mo- my mom's dad growing up in the 60s he would always say to her show me your friends and i will show you your future and that always a- a growing up my mom i'm sure brit and law are in here they they will tell you every day every week my mom would say show me your friends i'll show you your future And it's cool that I'm gonna be able now to pass that on to Blake as she grows up to to say to her, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I know, I saw those those kids in daycare stealing Cheerios. Don't be hanging around them. (laughs) So follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. How do we know who to follow? Okay, Pastor Billy, you said it, but how do I know who to follow? Well, the Lord gives us a discernment and that's where your daily encounters come in. We say it all the time daily encounters with the Lord matter. If you're in your daily encounters and you are focusing on Him, the Lord will give you the discernment to know who to follow and who not to follow. It's as simple as that. But if you're not in your daily encounters, that's where the fog comes in and that's where the blinders get put on. We got to watch our gates. What are our gates? Eye gate. You need to know what you're watching on TV, what you're looking at on the internet, watch your eye gate, watch your ear gate. What are you listening to daily? Who do you listen to daily? Not saying that what you're listening to is wrong, but how much of it are you listening to? I love sports just as much as the next guy or girl. I have a sports podcast that I love to listen to, but it doesn't consume my day, God gets my percentage of my day first. And then if I have time, that sports podcast can come in. You see what I'm saying here? Mouthgate, another gate you need to watch. And we hear this mouthgate. It's just not about the words you're saying. It's just not, oh, he's cussing. He's, he's got his mouth mouthgate. It also is, are you showing honor? Is what's coming out of your mouth Good. Are you showing honor to those? Are you quick to get defensive? Are you slandering, gossip? That's your mouth gate as well. You need to watch our gates. So once again, daily encounters with the Lord matter. The more you spend time in the word, the easier it's gonna become to discern what's right and what's wrong. Uh, Luke and I are coaching uh, 7th and 8th grade Avon Grove football middle school. And it's amazing from our first day until our last practice we just had, how quickly uh so I'm coaching the wide receivers and it's it's amazing how quickly that they've come from day one to where we are now. They're getting better, they're picking up on it. You know, day one I would say, Okay guys, we're gonna run a go route. Ready? And they'd be like, Okay, yeah, 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 I'm ready. Then we go. And I say, Ready? Set, hi." and they just turn to look at me, work for the ball. But no, it's a go route. It means go, but they don't know. They haven't been trained yet, but once they got that play sheet that showed them what all the routes were, and as they studied it, the last practice we had, I would say, okay, guys, go route, dig route, but why it's because they spent the time to study what they were meant to study. So then they could put it into practice later. it matters who you follow In the Bible we have shepherds we have sheep we have wolves but the one to pay the most attention to are the wolves in sheep's clothing Wolves in sheep's clothing Let's take a look at that in Matthew 7:15 He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Continue on in 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, we drove out demons. And in your name, we performed many miracles then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Relationships matter, but the most important relationship with the Father is everything. It's life or death at that point. Many will say, I, I drove out demons. I, that, it, when I was growing up, that would, it, it was hard to comprehend that I could be seeing someone on the altar, casting out a demon. But if they truly did not know the father, they're not going to heaven. I I can't believe, miracles, people doing miracles. But what's your heart like? Ooh, many. So watch out for those wolves in sheep's clothing. They're the ones in church today raising their hands, worshiping. But those are the ones that their true motive would be to tear you down instead of build you up. I know for me, I'm going to be Pastor Billy, whether I am on a trail hiking with my wife and daughter, or whether I'm at home watching football, watching the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide win another championship, roll tide, everyone said, Uh, I'm going to be pastor Billy, whether I'm at ACME, if you catch me buying, uh, I'm sure miss Jude has caught me many times. You know, she's always at the ACME where I'm at. I'm always running into her and Ashley and Katie. Uh, I'm going to be pastor Billy. If I'm at ACME buying Turkey Hill chocolate, peanut butter cup, ice cream three at a time. Can I just say real quick, a little sidebar, the Lord gives us the desires of our heart. And I just have a feeling that my mansion in heaven I'm going to have a deep freezer of Turkey Hill chocolate peanut butter ice cream, and it's going to be like the type of like fishes and loaves type, where every time I open, I'm like, I thought I ate three of those yesterday, and it's just back to the top. There's going to be that. My pantry is going to be filled with Cheddar Jack Cheez-Its, Cheddar Jack, can I get an amen, and a hallelujah. And my bedside table is gonna be filled with a big thing of peanut M and M's. I guarantee it. I already know it. I've seen visions, and I'm prophesying it today, Lord. Also, I just gave you three things. Uh, my birthday's in October. So, Chart, turkey hill chocolate peanut butter ice cream, cheddar jack Cheez-Its, peanut M and M's. October 10th. Oh. So I'm going to be Pastor Billy regardless of where I am. However, it wasn't always like that. We're talking about real. Can I get real with you guys for a minute? I went through a time in my life where I was probably as fake as they come. I was the uh, a total fence sitter one foot in one foot out and I'm sitting right smack pretty on the fence I was the definition of the biblical lukewarm and we know what they say about lukewarm let's let's read that real quick revelation 3 15 I know your deeds you were neither hot nor cold I wish you were either one or the other isn't that amazing? I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Ooh. Think of that. God would rather us be completely on fire for him or completely in the world doing our own thing rather than be right here. Think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. I was more lukewarm than those dirty water fountains in all of your grade schools that you would go drink and you'd be like, this isn't cold. I had a seventh grade teacher, Miss Johnson. I loved her. Everyone, if we had in TCA, we had two different water fountains. One was right near the seventh grade classroom, and the other one was all the way on the other side of the school. And Everyone always raised their hand and be like, I need some water. She'd be like, yes, honey, this one right here. We'd be like, no, I want to go to the cold one. She's like, warm water is good for the soul. She would always say it. I'll never forget that. But I was more lukewarm than those water fountains. I was in church on Sunday, just like I said, praising, Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. But behind closed doors, I was a completely different person. I hurt people close to me, I've hurt family, friends, but most importantly, I was hurting myself spiritually. I'd also like to venture a guess that there's some of you, those out there today that are in the same exact rut I was once in, doing the same thing. Lord, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for freedom, but not that much freedom. Thank you. Take my shackles off. You know, I'll hold the shackle right here just in case I need it. You don't know how to get out, but you need to find your freedom today. The Lord wants you to know if you keep going down this same path, it will only lead to destruction. And that's it. And can I say something? And I'm preaching to the choir because I once thought the same thing, but you cannot hide from God. There's no hiding. Can you hide from others around you and can you be fake with others around you and fool them for a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Not from him. Uh, Funny story. Someone's gonna take a minute. Uh, Smoking was not allowed in our house. Under my parents' roof. If you wanted to do that, good. Go live somewhere else. Well, when we were under their roof, it was their rules. <sighs> I don't remember how old I was 18, 19, 17, doesn't matter. I was working at the Philly pretzel factory in Avondale. And I started to notice. As I was working there more, man, all these people got breaks all the time and I was still stuck inside. Why do they get breaks? Oh, they get like 10, five minutes per smoke breaks in a four hour window. I'm gonna start picking up smoking. I get a little break back there, why not? I also at the time was gaining a little weight and someone told me that smoking curbed your appetite. See the, with the lies? So anyway, I'm back there. I had been doing it a couple months at this point. And my mom decided to surprise me at work. Surprise, surprise. Who loves that? (laughs) Decided to surprise me at work one day. And I wasn't there. And the cashier, not knowing any better, yeah, he's outside on a smoke break. So my mom, being the cunning woman she is, if you know where the Philly pretzel factory is, the Lowe's parking lot kind of looks down on the back of that backside. So she gets her car and she drives it around so I can't see her up top. And she made sure she caught me in the act. She must have got some patience and wisdom at the older she got, because the Debbie I know back in the day would have ran would have literally went off-roading, ran her car down, hit the brakes right in front of me, came out, take the cigarette, burn it in my skin. I'm skin. She would've done that. But she didn't do that. What she did do, she let me finish and finish my shift at work and then She was waiting for me at the kitchen table when I got home. Ooh! I wish she would have just burned into my arm and been done with those kitchen table talks. I had enough of those. I was fake. Talk about fake. Uh, Another time I was uh, with a group of people I should not have been hanging out with. You know what, I'm going down, Steve's going down with me. Steve was with me. Steve Weatherby was with me. Steve, we were young. He didn't even know Jess back then. I didn't know my wife. We were with a group of people we should not have been hanging around with. I love you. (laughs) what's funny is I told him I was gonna tell this story, but right out there, I say, "But I won't say your name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bye, I love you. So, my sister calls me and says, my sister Brittany, she goes, hey, what are you doing? Fake Billy comes out. Oh, Steve and I are, uh, we're at home. Uh, we're, you know, we're getting ready to play some video games. She goes, oh, Okay that's interesting um, because Isaiah just passed you on route one. <laughs> he saw who was in your car and uh, we're gonna have a chat. <laughs> Ooh, but well, why do I tell you these? Why am I telling you guys these stories? Because your sinful nature thinks you can keep on living the same old way and hide and be fake. But guess what? Eventually, what you do in the dark, what you do in secret, what you're doing here, I'm not seeing. No one can see me. Ah, oh, look, I'm fitting right in the crowd. This is great. But guess what? I don't care if it's tomorrow. I don't care if it's next week. Ten years from now, it will come to light. I don't know about y'all. But would you rather not find freedom here and give it up than to be found out later like that? Would you not rather that? I had to learn it the hard way, but I'm trying to help y'all today to not go through what I went through. So don't go behind Philly Pretzel Factory and smoke. It's not good for you. But guys, today I'm not here to give you my whole testimony. I'm not here to give you my whole story. Uh, That's not what this stage here is for here on a Sunday, but that's where these power groups are gonna come into play. That's where these real relationships are gonna come into play. You're gonna be able to share and hear testimonies of others around you. He went through that, I went through that. She's going through that right now, I'm going through that too. And that's where the connection comes in. And that's where chains are broken. It's just not here on a Sunday. This is our inward community. We need to take it outside of these walls. And in those groups, that's where real life change is gonna happen. And I cannot wait for it. I'm also here to let you know today that just because you once were lukewarm, you can find freedom in Him. The Lord gives us tests. Some we pass, some we fail multiple times, but that's okay. Because each test we go through, whether it's a pass or fail or barely get by, it becomes our testimony. And we use our testimonies for life change. See, the Lord takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done—the saving of many lives. The enemy throws arrows at us, and he's trying to hurt us, and he's throwing this and that at us. And yeah, how are you going to take it? Because what he intended to harm and hurt you, God intended for you to take that, turn it around, and knock him out. So I keep talking about freedom. You got to find freedom. You need to be freed. How do? How do I find that freedom? How do I do it? Well, I'm gonna tell you again. Spend time and daily encounters with the Lord matter. God needs to become first in your life. You gotta give God your first, but you also gotta make room for God in order to do that. You see, it's hard to make God first when your room is full of clutter. It's on our vision wall out there since January For those of that have forgotten, if you walk out of these doors and look right there at that wall in big, bold letters, you can't miss it. It says, make room. You got to make room for God. God doesn't want just a corner of your room where he can sit and kind of look at you and there's a whole bunch of stuff in between you and God. He wants the room. Picture it this way. If you were gifted, I don't know, I'm gonna say Super Bowl tickets. If you were gifted Super Bowl tickets tomorrow, you would cancel every single plan you had. You would bail on everyone that, that you were supposed to do something with. You would call out of work and you would make room to go to that Super Bowl. Would you not? You need to make room for God to do the work in your life. And guys, I'm gonna go ahead and at this point call up our small group leaders. You're gonna get to hear from them in a minute. But I just wanna leave you with this. When these small groups start up, allow yourselves to be vulnerable and real. Allow yourselves to get real in these groups. And experience that true life change. Because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. I have a feeling these groups are going to catch like wildfire and spread through this whole church. And that's been my prayer since day one. So guys, without further ado, let's give it up for our small group leaders for the fall and spring semesters coming up. All right, let's give it up one more time for them, guys. So without further ado, these are your fall and winter and spring small group leaders. We have, uh, I need a microphone. There it is. Let's go down the line, and first and last name, just introduce yourself really quick.
3: Debbie Grandizio.
4: Bill Grandizio.
3: Taylor Della Rocca.
4: Carmen
5: Della Rocca. You got
6: another one? All right, read your
2: Kim Brown.
5: Tim Brown.
6: Stephanie
7: Fisher. AJ Fisher.
1: All right, let's give it up for him. You can just keep it down there. So what better way to kick off small group signups than to get to know your leaders a little bit? Because if you're able to, like I said last week, relate to them, it's going to be easy for you guys to receive from them. So AJ, you got the mic. We're going to start with you and we'll just kind of go this way. Question one, we're going to keep it easy. How long have you been married and how did you meet each other?
7: Wow, okay, so... <laughs>
8: Pass.
1: Yeah. Pass.
8: Uh,
7: we've been married since uh, 2011, and we met each other through mutual friends uh, in a time of our lives where we weren't in the best place, but we were better than we were years before.
0: Yeah. All right. Cool.
2: Um, we met... On vacation in Florida, sorry. We met on vacation in Florida. Actually, Tim was living in Florida. I went on vacation with a girlfriend and we met. And six months after that, we got engaged. Six months after that, we got married. And this October, we'll be married 27 years. <laughs>
3: My girlfriend and I were at break in the cafeteria and one of the doctors, well, he wasn't a doctor yet, so I need to be, invited us to his friend's 21st birthday party. And he was the friend at the 21st birthday party. I was not going to go. I went I had worked a lot of overtime that week. My girlfriend called me up. This was in the archaic days before cell phones. She called me up and she said, we're going to that party. I said, Mike, I'm not going. She said, I'm picking you up. She hung up. She came pick me up, and I'll never forget. She said, who knows, but tonight might be the night you meet Mr. Wright." Mm.
1: How long have you been married? Oh,
3: we've been married, uh, the next month, 44 years.
6: Um, we've been married for three years, and we met at our church. I was our worship leader, and I was giving our team vocal lessons. So, yes, Carmen can sing. Um, so we met at our old church and we've been married for three years.
1: No, you're going to keep it. Yep. Keep it there. Next question. I feel like this is like a dating game. Bachelor number one. What would you do when you were a child? What did you want to be when you grew up and why?
9: All right. So for me, from the time I was like five to like nine, I wanted to be a professional baseball player and then when I was like 10, I realized that I wasn't athletic and I wasn't coordinated. So that quickly went out the window, my childhood dreams were crushed and um, then in like 8th grade I was introduced to construction and I just went for it and uh, that's what I do now. So, Awesome.
6: If any of you know Carmen, he's very uncoordinated and he threw out his back during gaga ball with our youth group here. Um, I wanted to be an event planner because I love planning, and I'm just psycho. So, there it is.
4: Similar to Carmen, um, my passion was baseball ever since I could put a glove on and throw a ball for the first time. So, my um, dream was to be a major league player. Specifically, I was going to be the shortstop for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, but, unfortunately, a guy by the name of Larry Bowe had got in line ahead of me and took that job. So... God redirected my course.
3: I wanted to be a nurse. I'm not a nurse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to hear that. I, I, I'm 33. I get sick to this day. And she's like, now take this. Did you do that? Did you do this? Now this? Now go to the hospital. Okay.
2: Um, I wanted to be a teacher. And it was mainly because my third grade teacher, Miss Howard, hmm. was just... Um, she just impacted me, so oh. yeah. But I'm not a teacher either, so. Well, I am. I do. I teach my children, and so yeah, yeah.
1: Cool, guys. This was not a question to see their failures. I promise.
5: I wanted to show you just a little bit behind the scenes. <laughs> NBA, Timmy Brown, NBA. Never made it though. Uh, yeah, I just love basketball. Uh, Pastor Greg, you know, I know you're a big basketball guy, and I remember when I where I was when I watched. Uh, Larry Bird played Irvin Johnson in the championship, the 84th. I just grew up in a golden era of of basketball and uh, college basketball was very different then. and, uh, just wanted to be an NBA player, but, uh, I wasn't dunking too well back then. So anyhow,
0: I wanted to be a Marine biologist when I was younger. Um, I love the ocean, but I am terrified of sharks and fish and everything else. So that didn't work out really well for
2: me.
7: (laughs) Growing up, I was around contractors and construction, so that is what I wanted to do Uh, when I got older. It was just kind of ingrained in me, and that's what I'm doing. Cool. Love that.
1: All right, AJ, we're going to start with you. What is the biggest way... That you have changed from your adolescence until now?
7: Maturity. Maturity and uh, finding a place uh, that I could remain teachable. When I was younger, you couldn't tell me anything. I had everything figured out, I knew everything, and I was not open to be taught. And now, through wisdom, through people teaching me and being hard on me through those times, being mature and being teachable is one of the biggest lessons I've learned.
0: Um, I think for me, it was just becoming more vulnerable and open. Um, I really thought that, like, um, being strong and like hiding what I was going through, actually, you know, made me strong. But I realized through my weakness, it actually gives glory to God, and He is able to carry those burdens for me.
8: Yeah, amen. <laughs>
5: Yeah, I think uh, for a long time I probably felt what I did was more important than who I was. And that, that's the biggest change in me, especially in Christ.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, my adolescence was all about me, really. So, And now it's not about me. It's about the people that God puts in my life Amen. and what I can do to impact them. So.
3: I was not a Christ follower in adolescence. If This is the world, and that was Christianity. I was here. So I would say becoming a new creation and freedom. If I could put it in one word, freedom.
4: Yeah, I would echo that, uh, as Debbie said, the freedom of going from the world to following Christ. Uh, In addition to that, I was very shy. So I I was not one to speak. I was afraid that if I said something, it might be the wrong thing or inaccurate. But... uh, God has allowed me to overcome that, uh, being shy.
6: Um, I will say this for myself, but also for our youth group. Um, the biggest way that I've grown from my adolescence to now is submitting to authority. And that's
9: it. Uh, for me, it uh, I was just trying to fit in with the world and everything I did. And until I realized, like, not... You know what they say you know what people think it doesn't matter once I got past that everything changed but just trying to fit in with worldly things for a long time next question and just
1: one person in the couple has to answer this what has been your favorite
9: vacation or road trip that you've ever taken together Uh, just last May we went to Florida it was it was a really cool trip we went around tampa we spent a couple days in st petersburg and then uh taylor's never been to disney so we went to disney thank god we went before you know we'll probably never go back with all the you know you can't even go they might think i'm a princess walking through there i don't know but uh you know so so we 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 got we got to experience that together uh i'm sorry was i not supposed to say that (laughs) take the mic oh
1: there it is there it is You guys are going to get real in that group. Can I go to Carmen's group? Yeah. Tim just just asked to be in Carmen's group.
5: We're coming, too.
3: I guess ours was Aruba in 1990. Very cool.
2: Ours was two years ago on our 25th wedding anniversary. We went to the Shenandoah Valley. Um, We drove Skyline Drive. We, d- we did play golf, I'm learning, I'm learning, so we played golf, that was good. Um, we took a picture of Brown Mountain Overlook. There good. you go. We ziplined for the first time, so that was fun. <laughs> oh, went to the Dukes of Hazard Museum, gotta see that. <laughs> okay.
3: I
0: think um, our favorite vacation together, we took a road trip to North Dakota and drove like a 35 mm. foot RV. And I had never driven an RV before. And in the middle of the night, he was like, all right, Steph, it's your turn. I'm like, okay. So uh, we're driving through Chicago. And he's like, stay in the middle lane and you'll be good. I'm like, okay, okay, I got this. I'm in the middle lane. And the next thing I know, it turns to five. No one lets me over. And I drive through the city of Chicago and throw AJ out of the bed. And he hit the wall. And that's how he woke up. (laughs)
1: Oh, that's great. It was really fun.
0: I got yelled at, though.
1: That's great. All right. I'm really going to test your relationships with this question. And don't be cruel to each other. This is just for fun. But what is something in your house that you want to get rid of,
7: but your spouse will not let you? bins and bins of off-season clothes everywhere in my house.
0: I would say his snap-on knives. He says it's our son that won't let us get rid of them, but they don't match the kitchen, so they're hiding in a,
2: um, in a cabinet. Is
1: there anything for me, Yeah, you can both answer. I
2: don't, call, I'm not, I don't hold on to stuff. I'm just letting y'all know. So I, just, I get easy rid of for it. Tim. But... We have a Schwinn Airdyne exercise bike that, just in case we use it, is in our basement. Broke it, wait, so it gets better because the seat, there's no cushion on the seat. So I get tired of looking at the Schwinn Airdyne bike. Order the other day on Amazon a new exercise bike because, just in case, we use it, which has not been put on yet, so there you go.
1: Oh that's great. That's great.
3: Everything in the basement, including his gumbies and Boy Scout patches.
4: <laughs> you, you found them? I thought I hid them. She's right, there's probably a lot she can get rid of for me. <laughs> but honestly, for her, that's great. I, I can't think of one thing. She's a minimalist. Um, yeah, so, that's it. Your dog.
6: So I actually got rid of it yesterday. Uh-oh. <laughs> it was his truck. <laughs> so I won, so.
9: Uh, we're still in the hoarding stages of our marriage. So, there's, there's a lot of stuff we need to get rid of, but, uh, yeah. You know, probably for me, it's the ginormous soaking tub that takes up 75% of our bathroom. Uh, that's that's really it.
1: Oh, that's great. <clears throat> keep
9: doing that. yeah.
1: Next question: what is something that you are really passionate about and say something other than small groups Tim
9: So I recently uh, enrolled in uh, Isaiah Hollis's lawn care uh, committee, so he, he he's inspired me to uh you know. Have a nice lawn and mulch beds. And he's giving me some tips. Where are you, Zay? Right. There he is. Zay, shout out. And I'm failing miserably, by the way. So I need some <laughs> coaching. Uh, but weeds everywhere. It's terrible. Uh, the other thing, in all seriousness, uh, the online ministry is a huge passion for me. Um, that's how we found the power place. And um, just so passionate about being able to reach the community outside of these walls. And, and that's, that's really big for me.
6: Um, so, just normal things, I love espresso, I love cooking, um, and I brought my tissues just in case, because I'm an emotional mess with school tomorrow. Um, I'm really passionate <coughs> about teaching our kids and training them, and I'm really excited about that, and just getting to see them grow, um, I love having students in my life, I love relationships with them, and I'm super passionate and excited for school tomorrow. I'm
4: excited that you're such a part of the, of the team. In my many years, I've had many callings. Um, and some I believe I've fulfilled well, others maybe not so well. But right now, today, the most recent calling in my life is for the academy. And it's my biggest passion, um, be it without a doubt, without a measure. Um, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Um, this, is, this is huge for me. And... and For the calling on not just me, but for those that are going to be joining uh, in this academy, it's just awesome.
3: I'd have to agree with Taylor and Bill. Um, About five years ago on a Friday night service, I was in the back with some of the grandkids, and the Lord had shown me a vision of an hourglass, and there was only a couple grains of sand left. And he said, it's soon. It's soon, share. So my passion to tell people to share with our grandkids and go deep, um, that is my greatest passion now. Amen.
2: For me, which I know sounds cliche, but it's being a wife and a mom. And I have young adult children, and this season of their life is, it's just so important. And I just feel strongly that me pouring in right now um, you know, we think about little children, we got to pour and raise them up in the way they should go. But this season of their life is just as important than, you know, when they're little. So
5: getting back to the exercise bike, <laughs> my clothes are on it. I can't get rid of it. Okay. Just kidding. So, you know, I'm passionate. I, I, I'm a golf pro. I, I love developing kids. You know, when, when, when you have kids at around that middle school age, when they can really start getting, taking uh, serious instruction and really seeing improvement, that that's a passion for me, so.
4: Um,
0: I would say I'm really passionate about hair. Well, that's what I thought. But going into that career, it's actually building relationships with my team members and coaching, in, coaching them and guiding them into becoming more than what they are, stepping out of their comfort zone and truly like letting their passions take over. And I think that does also overflow into my children and in my, into my family, um, guiding my children in the direction that they should go. Um, I think from growing up being in the world and not having that guidance, I think um, it has become just like a true deep, deep passion for me because I want them to receive the generational blessings that they can come into now instead of um, feeling like they had to carry the generational curses per se that um, we have before we're saved.
7: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to say uh, I have a passion uh, not just to see uh, life's change, but to be a part of it more particularly uh, people who society or through their choices have been counted out. Um, So I just like to be a part of that because I have people do that to me on both sides of the coin. So that for me is a big passion. That's good. Yeah, give it up for him.
1: What is one
7: memorable quote or scripture that has greatly impacted your life? Um, For me is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. uh, I've been able to use that in many different aspects of my life and also as an example for others.
0: Um, For me it was the footprints poem that says when you only see one set of um, footprints in the sand it was then that I carried you. It was um, something that hung up in my grandmother's house my entire life. I've never really been talked to about the Lord or anything, but that seemed to sit with me through my entire life.
5: Yeah, I was, I was going to do a scripture, but when he said quote just now, it came to my mind. Uh, George Barna from the Barna Group, they do a lot of polling and stuff on uh, in churches. And he said, he made it, the quote is, uh, it just came to me when Billy said that, uh, the most important decision you'll ever make in your life is where you'll spend eternity. The second most important decision is what you'll do in light of the first decision.
2: Mm. That's good. Um, for me, it's 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I now realize that Jesus always looked at me for who he created me to be before I was in my mother's womb. And it's not about who I was before, but who he created me to be and who I am.
3: I think we all have a million favorite scriptures. But one of the ones I I try to remember every day, even before I get out of bed, is um, Psalm 32 says, I will teach and instruct you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. And I, 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 it's one of my favorite because when life smacks us in the face, and it does, I need to remember, you're going to teach, you're going to instruct me how to navigate through this.
4: So I mentioned earlier that I was shy growing up. Um, however, if you crossed me, that shyness immediately went away. And um, to a point, it could, it could have turned into some serious problems and issues. Um, and with that said... Um, one of the verses that I use a lot, even up to today, that needs to keep me in check is, um, a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a wise man overlooks an insult. And that immediately keeps me safe. It keeps me from, I was the king of retaliation. So you, you come mess with me or a family member and you know, there's a war. Um, so that has helped me, and I, I, I share that with others because it, it, it's so powerful. It says a lot. It keeps you in line, and it keeps you out of trouble. Amen.
6: Amen. Um, okay, so everybody at youth group knows this because I say it all the time. So everybody should know the verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans I have for you. Right, that's not it. It's the verses that come right after it is what has carried me my entire life. And it says, and when you will call on me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so it's just a guarantee that when you're ready to seek the Lord, you're always going to find him. He's always going to show up. Um, and that's verses 12 and 13 after that famous verse 11.
9: Uh, For me, it's uh, Galatians 2.20. It says, uh, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I first heard that verse, uh, it it wrecked me because I was living, everything I was doing was for me. And and I was living my life as if uh, I wasn't crucified on that cross with, with Christ. And when I heard that verse, it completely changed everything in my life. Changed the trajectory of how I started living. So, oh, get I'll, I'll get it. I, if we're on like
1: question 10, I'm going to get it this time. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> what is one hard learned lesson from your
9: life? Uh, well, I'll just keep it simple. For me, just realizing that God's way was so much easier than, than the way that I was living. So,
6: Mine's not spiritual. Um, after marrying him, I realized how much, like, how frugal I am with things. I love anything cheap, and if you know me, I love anything free. Um, so the lesson I learned was: buy once, cry once. That's it. I like it.
3: No, don't. No.
4: Oh. Too many to share.
3: Was a question again.
1: What is one hard learned? This is like this is like deja vu. Like I was in your position, you were me. Like, what, what did you say, again, ma? What is one hard learned lesson from your life?
3: Taking care of this right here, mm. my mouth. That's good. For me
2: personally, that um, man can never fill the hole in your heart.
5: For me, it would be uh, be codependent. Code Not independent. Hmm.
2: I learned
0: everything the hard way, so it's really (laughs) hard to pick one. Um, But I think, you know, not listening or seeking advice from anyone, but always going to the Lord first. um, He'll always have an answer for you and it'll be the best one for you. Because the people that give you advice aren't always giving you what's in your best interest, but maybe theirs.
7: Yeah, I also learned everything the hard way, so that was the biggest lesson for me is that I don't have to always learn the hard way, that there's someone went through it before me that if I'm willing, they can pour into me and I don't have to go that way. That's good.
1: Wow. Last question. It's a compound question. You can either answer both or just one or the other.
7: It's what is your favorite part about small groups? And what do small groups mean to you?
3: Uh,
7: I'd have to say uh, my favorite part and what it means is the hunger uh, for more of God. Um, and that pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for small groups um, to be glorifying the Lord, to really be having real conversations and building relationships with one another on a really personal level and Teaching and also being taught by the people that are going to be walking into our homes.
5: Yeah, so I think uh, Billy, read that second part again. Yeah.
1: What is your favorite
5: part about small groups, and
1: what do small groups mean to you?
5: Yeah, small group. Small groups mean everything to me because uh, if you don't know my story, I accepted Jesus Christ by putting my hand on a television screen. I put my hand on a television screen. And two weeks later, I was at a small group and I accepted Christ officially there. And I was at small group before I ever went to church. So I went from putting my hand on a TV screen and saying a prayer that the preacher asked me to pray. It was Oral Roberts. And uh, found myself in a small group. Kim and I are not emotional people, by the way, at all. I mean, we really don't get emotional. But I mean this is a new thing for me. Crying. But... Yeah. So be prepared. The other thing is, the other thing is, look, I'm a coach and a teacher, and I think I want to say this, I, th- I think it's very important with this question. Obviously it means everything, a guy like me coming out of nowhere. Unsaved, unchurched. We live our lives just like Pastor Greg and Sister Christy. You know, I learned something about ministry years ago. I'm not going to preach, I promise. But ministry, you tend to take on characteristics of the leadership. Pastor Greg and Sister Christy have a theme every year. They have a theme. The Browns have a theme. We have a theme. We teach our kids this theme. And small group, we've we've been doing small group for 20 years. So small group has actually helped me filter this and we develop this over time, this theme, okay? And we call it the four eyes. Every Christian should, in my opinion, this is Tim Brown here. You have intimacy, inventory, integration, and impact. And we live that. That should be the driving motivation. Small group checks every box. You get the intimacy, Like you heard up here how he didn't have to do it alone. He doesn't have to do it the hard way. And uh, you get that intimacy. And then you build an inventory of the word so that when that situation, when someone crosses the godfather over here, when someone crosses him, he's got a scripture verse, so he's integrating it. And then that becomes a supernatural response. And the next thing you know, you got an impact. So that's what we base our lives on. In small group, the coolest thing about this is, in small group, they call us leaders. We learn way more than you guys. I'm telling you. I mean, we're good. And that, that's just a blessing, an extra blessing from, from uh, you know, uh, st- so in your time and, and, and your talents and techniques. But anyhow, so Billy, thank you, man. Yeah.
3: Ditto. <laughs> I guess mine is one of the core vows, unity core values unity yeah. um, friendship you're able to delve more into the word and share and um, friendship so that's and I always I always learned better in smaller classes so um, that's what small group means to me okay. Amen. yeah
4: definitely unity and small groups brings a setting like no other um, it brings more of a family type setting where you can get together get to know one another in a deeper way, break down the walls, um, do sharing, you know, what does does a good family do? They build one another up, they listen to one another, they provide counsel, they provide insight, they provide encouragement, or they may provide um, uh, some correction, you know, whatever it is, and and then you need to get to that point where where you can have those relationships. And, and, And at the end, you know, we say it over and over, iron sharpens iron, so when we all leave at the end of our, our time together, we're, we just become that much greater ambassadors for the Lord.
3: Yeah, yeah.
6: That's great. Um, We're super excited to be um, a part of the young adults ministry this upcoming fall because I think it's such a pivotal age where we see in a lot of churches where young adults, they, like, they just tend to stray away at this age, become and do their own thing. Maybe they'll return in their 30s. But this age is so pivotal because this is the generation that we are called to reach. um, And that is really going to shape the culture of our church and what's to come. Um, So we're super excited. And what it means to me is it means ignition. And one of the things that we felt on our hearts before Billy even asked us for young adults was just a consecration, getting ready for him to come back. Like, what does a bride look like? She looks spotless. And so it means for us to pursue holiness in a new way, in a deeper way, in a serious way, getting rid of the clutter. Um, It means uncharted growth. It means getting real. It means that there's no more excuses. We're calling each other out. We're making sure that sin doesn't get slid underneath the rug. Um, And it just means real relationships like we're talking about and Not saying things are okay when they're not. You know, really getting real and making sure that there is an ignition, a a fire that is fanned into flame constantly for our young adults so that we can carry the church into where it's going to go for our future.
9: Yeah, and we need to be the example for all these kids that you guys saw up at this altar that young adults, we're we're the generation that's going to reach our hands out to those guys and say, hey, come on, this is, follow us. Like, this is how we're doing it don't don't follow what the TikTok's saying follow come on let's go so but don't get me started on that one uh, so uh, and and what mr. Bill said with, with family because I love that because we want to create a space that's real that's safe but also a place where we're getting uncomfortable like we don't want to just be you know in this comfort zone and we're not growing we want it we want to be uncomfortable and we want to grow to uh, you know a, a whole new level in, 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 in yeah we're excited
1: amen can we give it up one more time for our small group leaders today don't go anywhere i'm going to do something really quick if we could can i have fishers over here facing the crowd on the on the ground browns here grandizios and then della Rocca's over here band you can come and ushers if you can come grab these chairs that would be great This morning, I want us in this new era of small groups, I want us to cover our leaders this morning. I wanna surround them, get behind them, and push them up to the next level. So if you would this morning, whoever's the closest to you, could we stand, could we surround these small group leaders? We're gonna pray for them this morning. I'm going to have the shepherd of our house, Pastor Greg, pray over the small groups this morning. Just begin to to lift up your your prayer language. Begin to to pray over them. Thank you, Father, for them, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank
8: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this new era, for what you're doing, what you're going to do. Lord, thank you for these leaders we just pray an anointing and blessing and favor upon them give them wisdom beyond their years wisdom beyond their ability wisdom beyond their experience wisdom from above lord you said if we lack wisdom we can ask of god and he gives liberally lord you give liberally and i thank you for liberal wisdom from above wisdom from your throne lord let let these groups be anointed as we gather in homes as we as we see ourselves connected to the body of Christ, Lord, I thank you that, that lives are going to be touched and changed outside of these walls. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all you're doing and all you're going to do. We just bless these leaders in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. In Jesus' mighty name. We're excited, Lord, for what's going to happen this season in our small groups. Bless them indeed. Enlarge their territory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Let's give
8: it up for our small group leaders
1: one more time as we're seated. Thanks for checking out the PowerPlace audio podcast. If you want more resources for your walk with the Lord, you can visit us online at www.thepowerplace.org. You can check us out on YouTube and Facebook at the PowerPlace Church if you want to watch the service online. And if you
3: want to give, you can text any amount to 84321 or visit the church website.